practiced the truth of what has been taught concerning the, the, the trusting in the promises of God by faith um, way of receiving healing, and I have been doing that my, in my own personal life for many, many years and still do. But I want to let you know that there are other forms of healing that the Bible reveals to us are real, that God works in different ways. So, but before we go into these ways, I want to, I want to put a scripture up on the, on the uh, slides here. So if we could go to the next one. So what is healing? Let's give a definition. Healing is the Spirit's power. We know that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is God in manifestation on the earth. Manifestation means comes into visibility, comes into uh, perceptibility by our senses. So God can break through into the world of our sense knowledge, and he does so, when he, when he does that, it's the person of the Holy Spirit who breaks through. And the person of the Holy Spirit is filled with the power of God. God himself is filled with the power of God himself, right? So it seems kind of um, um, obvious, but healing is the Spirit's power. So what heals? What heals is God himself at work within human bodies bringing forth wholeness. Now, if we look at Luke 9, uh, uh, 6, 19, we find a scripture that tells us that Jesus was ministering healing to a crowd and it was obvious that power was flowing out of him and healed them all. So if you want to know, I mean, we, we maybe don't think a lot about this, but what is healing? Even healing within our own bodies. Our bodies have been created with self-healing, what we call self-healing mechanisms. But that self-healing is actually God at work. It's God's grace, God's power at work within our human bodies, knitting our bodies back together after something goes wrong. So that is one form of God's healing that he's made in all human beings. But it's the power of God. The King James translation translates that word virtue. It's the word dunamis. It's the same word that we find that God tells us was outpoured at Pentecost when the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit flowed out of heaven and rested on the 120 in the upper room and empowered them for ministry. Before that time, they knew the Lord, but they didn't know the power of the Lord pulsing through them and ministering out from them. And so this outflowing power from God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit is, in fact, what heals. It's the power of God that heals. Now, I want to uh, give you an understanding of how this power works, and I'm going to use quickly the analogy of electricity. So I think I've said before to you that some people have defined the presence of God, the outflowing of God's power as heaven's electricity. Have you ever heard that phrase? Some of you probably have. Heaven's electricity. Now, electricity is a natural force, and it generates power 
it can be it can be directed in a certain way it flows from one source into a point of distribution and so this is what exists in nature now electricity wasn't really formally scientifically discovered until um, mid-1800s. Benjamin Franklin is credited with having taken the existence of electricity and identified it and uh, uh, um, given us an understanding of how to basically use it. So up until that point in the world, electricity existed, of course, but it wasn't knowable. But starting at that point in history, electricity became predominant in the world. And so... Uh, the person that I have learned so much from concerning healing is a, a man who um, is now no longer alive, but he's a man who is credited with, with literally hundreds of thousands of miraculous healings in his lifetime. In South Africa, in other nations of Africa, in the United States, through something he established called the Healing Rooms Ministry, and this man's name is John G. Lake. John G. Lake... I love his work because he was a student not only of wanting to be a person who ministered the healing power of God out to others, but he wanted to understand with his mind the dynamics of how God in his power healed the sick. He had a scientific mind. Had he not become a mighty servant leader in the kingdom of God, a miracle worker in the kingdom of God, there's no doubt he would have become something in the scientific realm, probably a a research scientist or a professor or something like that. He had a probing analytical mind. So he had an amazing power to uh, ability to move in the spirit, but he also had an amazing ability to learn about and then articulate how God works in healing. So I've got a quote from him, and I want you to see this quote because it's going to kind of establish a foundation for us of understanding the many different ways God heals. So let's put the next one up. Let's read it together. The tangibility, let's stop right there, because there's a word that's really critical. The word tangible means that which is touchable, feelable, having broken into the natural or the visible world. So, this is the contention of John Lake concerning the power of God in healing. The tangibility of the Holy Spirit is the secret of healing. So what he's saying here is the fact that the Holy Spirit is not just a myth, not just an idea, not just a theory, not just a sentiment, but the Holy Spirit is an actual real power so that when you stick you wouldn't do this but if you stuck your finger into an electric socket far enough you would discover that electricity is a real power it's feelable it's touchable so that's the analogy that lake will make in this particular paragraph The tangibility is the secret. The Spirit of God is just as tangible as electricity is. You handle it, the Spirit's power. You minister it to another. You receive it. Hate it when I make that mistake with spelling. As an old English teacher, I would rebuke myself for making a spelling error. You receive it from God through faith and prayer. Your person becomes supercharged 
with it. Now listen, let's stop right there. He is saying that when you're in the presence of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God who is in manifestation, and we felt his presence here in this room when we were just worshiping God, there's a certain weight. It's a, it's a warm, let's call it a warm weight of God, right? That rests upon us, that we feel. It's not visible, But it's real, it's an invisible, real power that we can feel with our spirits and our souls, even though, and we can even feel the weight on our bodies at times, but it's not uh, something that is a physical power, it's a spiritual power. So, but but our persons become supercharged with it. So in, in this, Lake is saying that our bodies are like containers of Holy Spirit energy. We are like batteries that are all charged up. That's really what he's saying. We're like charged batteries. We're like electric cars that got plugged in for 12 hours and we're ready to go 300 miles. We're filled with energy. So he's saying that we are supercharged. The Spirit of God is tangible. It is what he calls a heavenly materiality. It's not a physical material. A material is something that that has elements in it that makes it uh, uh, something in the visible physical physical world that has shape to it and and it it, it has dimension to it. And what is it? Uh, uh, Space? No, not space. uh, Height, width, depth, whatever. Yeah, that kind of makes it. You can tell that I am so scientifically literate, can't you? So anyway, but... Holy Spirit power is a spiritual material, not a physical material. But it's real. That's his point. This is real. Its power is capable of being stored in material substances such as cloth. As demonstrated in the garments of Jesus or in the handkerchiefs of Paul, both animate and inanimate Living and non-living objects can become filled with the Spirit of God. Even the bones, this is part of the weird, even the bones of those who have trusted in the living God have retained their virtue. Remember, virtue is the King James word for power that flowed out of Jesus in healing. The Holy Spirit will transmit. So there is a a movement of this power from one place to another, the Holy Spirit will transmit his power from the material storing it into the sick person. Now remember, the primary way in which the Holy Spirit is stored, although it can be, the power of the Holy Spirit can be stored in cloth or it can be stored in bones, the primary way the Holy Spirit is stored is in us who are the carriers of Jesus. We are the containers of the divine life of Jesus. And so we carry Jesus, but we also transmit the power of the Spirit. That power was so powerful that the disease departed. When it touches, when it goes from one place to another, the, the, the material, the object that it touches then becomes permeated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Disease departs. Both the sick and the demonized were healed and delivered 
by this method. And I included a quote by a contemporary author, Dutch Sheets. It is important to realize that this power of the Spirit is measurable. If a machine existed that could measure Holy Spirit power, we would find that the power of the Holy Spirit is measurable. There's actually a Greek word, the word metron, which means measure. We get the word meter from it. So it's a certain measure, but, but the scripture says that spiritual power and spiritual substances actually exist in the form of metrons or bits or pieces. And some are large, some are great metrons, and some are small metrons. But this power of the Holy Spirit is measurable. There are cumulative amounts of it. This is important, too, to realize that the power of the Holy Spirit can be accumulated within the object that's the point of distribution. So one time of transmission of Holy Spirit power will deposit a certain amount of that Holy Spirit power, let's say in a sick body. Then another application of that power will increase the amount. A third application will increase it yet again, and so on. So there's a cumulative effect of healing power that comes into the bodies of the sick when healing ministry is applied. There are measurable levels of almost any spiritual substance. Okay, so next slide, please. God's healing power has a variety of biblical-based delivery systems. All right, now this is important to understand. So we've been talking here about receiving God's healing power by faith. We've been understanding faith in a new way. We've been understanding adding patience or perseverance to that. We've been understanding that we have an enemy that will attempt to steal that away from us and how can we combat him. So we've had an understanding given to us about how as individuals to receive the healing power of God into sick bodies. And we've had some dramatic testimonies given to us on Sunday night and one on Sunday morning concerning how God has, through this methodology of receiving the healing power of God, through the appropriation of that virtue of God, through trusting in the promises of God, our faith being placed in in his promises and in him, as Dave reminded us. So, Trusting in his promises is really trusting in him that he will keep his word to us. And so we receive healing in that way. And that's a dramatic way and it's a wonderful way. But there are other ways to receive healing as well. And the analogy that came to mind was this. How many of you have ever received something from Amazon? Most of you receive what you get from Amazon through the mail, correct? FedEx or whatever, yeah? All right. Guess what? Amazon has a number of delivery systems for its product. Mail is by far the most commonly used, but there's now something called on-the-porch delivery. Some of you know this. There is also in-home delivery, where they will actually if you leave the door open or give them a, 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 a code to get into your home, they will actually put their package into your home. That is a third way 
There is also coming and is operational now, I think in Europe, coming delivery by drone. Right? And still one other way that I recently learned about, which is weird. Talk about weird. This is kind of weird. But Amazon is working on delivering your packages by putting them into your car trunk. (laughs) So there are a multitude of ways in which the same package can be delivered to you. And this is my understanding of how God distributes healing to us, actually how God distributes a number of the spiritual gifts to us. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. There are different ways of doing things, is another translation of this verse, and still another is God works in different ways. So in the same way that uh, this is true of, of God's a God who loves diversity. He really does. He doesn't like uniformity. I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to hate people who are absolutely uniform with anybody else. But you know, there is nobody who's absolutely uniform with anybody else. Right? We're all somewhat different. And God loves uniqueness. God loves creative diversity. He really does. So, I mean, this is one thing that we practice here in the church. You know, we really, we really want people who, who are quiet worshipers, more, more traditional worshipers, and they love God and they're worshiping God, but they would prefer maybe to maybe stay in their seats and, and focus on God internally and not be very expressive. And we love that and we permit that and we encourage that. If that's you, you're welcome here. And then there's Rod. <laughs> And we love the diversity. We do. We're not going to make Rod be quiet any more than we make a quiet person get up and start shouting. That would be cruel. (laughs) So we affirm the diversity of operation of God in our worship, in our teachings. I'm a very different teacher than Lynn is. You get up here and you get this wonderful, warm, loving, counseling, you know, knowledgeable flow from Lynn. And then I get up here and whatever you get from me, you get. (laughs) But the teaching gifting is diversely distributed, right? You've got Jonathan Edwards on one side, a teacher, great teacher in revival history. You know how he taught? This is how Jonathan Edwards taught. Healing by commanding specific parts of the body and function as designed by Jesus' name, Mark 8.32. So he was behind the pulpit, and his voice was quiet, and he droned on. And guess what? The Holy Spirit fell in power. (laughs) Then you've got George Whitfield. George Whitfield, the great revival and revivalist, particularly in England and, and the Americas back in the uh, uh, 17, uh, mid 18th century, 1700s. George Whitfield, little guy, big voice. <laughs> he would come striding out on the stage and he would stand on the stage and he would point his finger and he'd say, I have come here today to speak to you about your souls. (laughs) And then he would just go. Just go. 
And Wesley was somewhere in between. He was, you know, was a good orator, but he, he you know, wasn't the professorial type behind the lectern. But he wasn't the shouting, you know, deep, you know, rich, you know, dramatic. And Whitfield was very dramatic. So you've got different manifestations of the teaching gift. And they're all good. They're all necessary. That's why we have a teaching team here. You don't want to hear me all the time. You want to hear... My sweet wife at times. You want to hear Natasha at times. You want to hear Rob Palk at times. You want to hear lots of people. Huh? Yes. We want to hear a lot of people. Okay. So now what I want to do, in the interest of time, I want to make sure I get through this. I have identified 16 ways God heals in the Bible. Well, I'm not going to teach them all. But what I'm going to do is go through them all, and then I'm going to go back and camp out on a couple to talk about them. All right? So let's, let's go to the next slide. Number one, this is the kind of healing that we have been instructed on over the past five weeks or so. Healing as the sick person prays and exercises personal faith in God's scriptural promises to heal. Now, we can all do this. It's a very individual thing. We can all learn to receive healing in this way. The scripture, Mark eleven twenty four. So I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe at that time that you receive the answer. This is a spiritual step. Believe that you receive the answer as you are praying, and then you will have the manifestation of that answer. Jesus often said to those who came to him, Come to him for healing. Your faith has healed you. So this is an emphasis on the individual faith of the sick person who is learning to grow in faith and ability to receive healing from God by faith in his word. Number two, healing through the laying on of hands. The person I just mentioned and put the quote up on the screen uh, from, John G. Lake, he said this was his favorite way, this is a preferred way of releasing healing, by the laying on of hands. Now you're going to see that number two, number three, and number four methodologies of healing are actually related. And you'll see how they're related. But the heal, healing through laying on of hands. Now remember when I brought up the battery cables and the um, battery charger? Remember that? So you'll notice they had little pinchers, clamps on the end. That's like the hands, the hands of the way of distributing power. And so God has given us this laying on of hands as a means of transmitting the power of God. Remember, the power of God is supercharged within us. To a greater or lesser degree, depending on how much time we've spent with the Lord, how much we have been in his presence, in his word, in his spirit by prayer and worship. So there, there is a, actually a measurable difference, I believe, if it could be measured. No machine exists to do it, but there is a measurable difference between one person and another person in terms of the amount of Holy Spirit, not the kind, this Holy Spirit's the same kind, same God, 
same power, but the, the cumulative effects of how much has been deposited within. Some people are more charged up in the Holy Spirit than others. So laying a hands on people and releasing healing power. You know what I believe? I believe, too, that I don't have to utter anything out of my mouth, but I can simply lay my hands and there is a flow. If you could put, a again, a machine, a, some kind of meter on my hands, you would find that there would be a flow of God's energy, of God's power flowing out into the sick person. I say nothing. Uh, where is Chris? Is Chris uh, Holmes here? Chris. Chris's way of ministering healing, and if you ever get her to pray for you for healing, you'll find that this is exactly what she does. She will lay her hands on the afflicted part of the body, you know, in an appropriate way, of course, uh, and she will say nothing, but she will simply spend time with her hands laid on you. And what's happening? The healing power of God is going into the body of the sick person, and very often, substantial healing results, right? And heat. So people report that there is a heat sensation that comes onto the place of the body where there's the laying on of hands. Okay, number three. Healing through touch. See how this is related? So the laying on of hands is touch, but, but this is also something having to do with not the healing minister touching, but somebody coming up to and touching the person who is supercharged with the Holy Spirit. So you guys are well aware, of course, of the probably the primary example in Scripture of the woman who had the discharge of blood for 12 years, right? And she was speaking out. This is recorded in Scripture. She's speaking out as she's approaching, making her way through the crowd, getting closer and closer to Jesus. She says, if I can just, what? Touch, touch the, the very hem, the very end of his robe, I will be healed. So she touched and she was instantaneously healed. And in that instance, Jesus, that was the instance where Jesus said to his disciples, who touched me? Because I felt power flowing out of me. He felt, as a battery of God, he felt a discharge. And so they said, what are you talking about? A lot of people are jumping up and right, clicking close to you. How, How can we identify that? But she was identified it, and he turned to her, and he said, your faith has made you whole. So he identified that it was something in her own heart that was that was confident that now was the time that she was going to receive from God the healing that she was desiring. And faith, the key to faith is to, is to have in your heart a belief, an affirmation, an assurance, a confidence that now is the time when God's act is going to take place in my life. So there is, there is that, that quality was in her. And she touched him. He didn't touch her. He didn't lay hands on her. There are other places in Scripture where Jesus does lay hands on people, but this isn't one of them. She touched him, yeah. and she was healed. Yes? Why people 
It's why people, after they minister, particularly in the supernatural realm and healing, yes, they're exhausted because power has gone out of them. Now, when they're ministering, it's amazing because the anointing of God is kind of flowing back into them, right? They're giving out, but right then, God's flowing back in, so it's this great flow in and out. But then when the ministry time is over, that flow stops, you've given out, and now you're like, like a rag doll. Because the power has been flowing out from you. Okay. All right. Number four. Healing through soaking prayer. How many of you ever heard the term soaking prayer? Yes. This term was actually popularized in the, in the um, probably 60s and 70s and so on by a guy named uh, Francis McNutt who had a major healing ministry within the Catholic Church. And then that spread out into other denominations. But he popularized this, this methodology of, of soaking prayer. So these three, laying on of hands, touch, and soaking prayer, are all related together. Because they all, they all have something to do with laying hands on. Because this is what Francis McNutt recommended. He said, get a team together, multiple people, and lay hands on the sick person and keep your hands laid on them for a significant amount of time. So that's the element in this that's important. When we've, got, when we've got touch, we've got the biblical example of the woman who was healed instantaneously through one touch as the power surged out of Jesus into her body and healed her. And with laying on of hands, you get the impression that it's Laying on of hands, and there is an instantaneous or near instantaneous flow of God's power that produces healing. But when, with soaking prayer, the key factor is that there's a duration of time required. So you would have an appointment with a soaking prayer team, let's say, for an hour. So you would minister, and there would be this flow of God's power through those who have their hands laid on the sick person for an hour. And then the person would be come, come back the next day, and we'll give you another hour. Come back the next day, we'll give you another hour. And so there was a soaking. Remember that the Spirit of God can be accumulated Cumulative effects build up. This is much like the power of antibiotics. Right? So when you're given a course, a regimen of antibiotics, you're given usually 10 days. Right, Judy? So if you take one, will you get much result? No. You'll get the beginning. But then you go through the 10 days and the antibiotic builds up its power within the body and defeats the bacteria and so brings about the healing. So that's similar to this soaking in multiple applications that we find in this methodology. Okay, number five. Healing through anointing with oil and the prayer of faith. This is a particular form of healing that is very appropriate to be done within the setting of a church particularly when people are too sick to come to church. This is the context. They call for the elders. The elders, I don't think, are necessarily those who occupy the office of an elder. 
Certainly may be, but I think the elders of the church are those who are the spiritually mature ones. And they go to the home of the sick person and they anoint with oil and they speak the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith is a little bit different kind of thing. I think I might camp out on this a little bit. I might come back to it, so I'm not going to say much uh, about it here. But praying the prayer of faith is a particular kind of prayer that is specifically designed by the Lord to release healing because the scripture says in James 5, 14 and 15 that the prayer of faith will save the sick. The oil does not save the sick. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick and that prayer of faith is a particular kind of prayer that we'll come back to. Next one, please. Number six. Healing through general prayer of command in Jesus' name. In Acts 3, 1 through 9, there was a lame man who was lame from birth at the temple gate called Beautiful as uh, Peter and John were uh, making their way very soon after Pentecost. They were making their way through, probably on their way to the temple to teach because the apostles and the church gathered in the temple area and, um, and would, uh, would hear teaching by the apostles, and also the apostles would do signs and wonders, but they passed by this lame man, and they said to him, you're aware of the situation, he's a beggar, he's been lame from birth, so this is his job, this is how he makes his living, this is how he eats, he begs, which was, you know, institutionalized in uh, ancient Israel, so a beggar was, you know, I mean, not a high place in society, but it wasn't considered a horrible thing either. It was the way people in that condition uh, were able to actually live. And so they passed by this guy, and he was obviously imploring them for money, and they turned to him and said, what? Silver and gold, have I none? I don't have any silver and gold, but what I have, I give to you. What do they have? What did they have? They had the name of Jesus. What I have, I give to you. And so they said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that was a commanding prayer. So the prayer of command is a powerful form of healing the sick. Jesus spoke to a leper in Matthew 8, 3, and he simply said, when the leper said, uh, are you willing to heal me? Jesus said, I am willing. Be healed. Prayer of command. And sometimes we don't think of the, those two words, be healed, as actually command, but it is. It is. It's, it's a command. I am commanding, you know, adding the rest of the words, I am commanding you to be healed. All right, let's go on. Number seven, healing by commanding specific parts of the body to function as designed in Jesus' name. All right, so guys, uh, oh my goodness. All right, so anyway, so if you have a bad heart, I say, I speak to you heart, and I say, in Jesus' name, be healed. There's scripture where Jesus speaks to the ears and tongue of a person who's ill and says, be opened. He's speaking to body parts. I just want you to know that. This is weird. This is weird, speaking to body parts to be healed, but it's in the scripture. Okay, next one, and let's go through them. Number eight. Huh? 
I'm sorry, what? I have decided to follow my wife. Let's stand together. God, we thank you so much that you are a God of healing. You are Jehovah Rapha. You're the great physician. You use so many methodologies of healing. We've gone over a few, God, and we pray these would be be embedded in our hearts, that we would love the way you heal and we would imitate you and we would also walk in the steps of healing the sick even as Jesus did. In Jesus' name. Amen.